Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about our website, horrormakesushappy.com. It's a very difficult URL to remember. Mm. Uh, Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. We're going to be talking about messed up stuff, but uh, we will be talking about horror movies, horror culture, which could involve anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, you know, just generally disturbing topics are a possibility on this podcast. So if that's not your cup of tea. So if you don't like it, geet out. Geet. Or if I may borrow a uh, term that I I actually uh, is one of the few that I prefer from the the current generation. Yeet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeet yourself. Yes, yeet yourself out of this podcast. (laughs) And on that note... Today we have the company of Rebecca Reinhardt, actress known for such works as Carousel the Second, Fright Vision, and Sharks of the Corn. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before we get into the meat of the interview? Ah, well, oh, sure. I didn't realize. Usually this is an end of the show kind of thing. But, yeah, we um, do it at the beginning and the end. Right. So I'm in all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, I mentioned those three because I can tell you where to get them. Fright Vision, Sharks of the Corner on Prime and um, Fright Vision's on Tubi as well. Carousel the Seconds available through Silver Spotlight Films. I am also a director. I directed a movie called The Embalmers, which um, if you go to the Facebook group, which is just The Embalmers, uh, you could join that, find out all about that. And I am now working on my next movie that I'm directing called Tin Roof, which is just starting to ramp up. Um, it was co-written by, or was written by Rob Mello from Happy Death Day. Okay. And um, and I'm directing and we have some really cool stuff and it's going to be a camp slasher for a mature audience. Okay. I mean, yes. okay. so we have- mature audience no i mean when okay so i'm a huge i guess we'll just get into this i'm a huge camp slasher fan that's just my thing like you can you can give me the crappiest camp slasher movie from 1983 (laughs) and i'll watch that over you know any of the lord of the rings any day and so when we were done with the embalmers rob was like okay so what's next i mean literally we wrapped like the hour before and then he asked me and i'm like (laughs) okay well if i'm gonna do another movie it's gonna be a camp slasher (laughs) And Duh. they said, but my main thing was I, I get sick of seeing these spring breakers uh, on daddy's dime, renting some elaborate cabin, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. I'm like, I want it to be middle-aged people. My exact words were, I want people with beer guts, mortgages, children, and problems to be my protagonist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like okay. I wanted it to be for middle-aged people. And yeah. so I had another proviso in there too. That's a little bit of a spoiler, but um, so we're making it a little more. Uh, a little more relatable for um, our age group. Okay. Yeah. I am down being yeah, so, a uh, um, quadrigenarian. Yes. Is that what we are? I don't know. Don't say that. <laughs> that- it makes it sound fancy, you know? No, it makes it sound old. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You didn't say Octa. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But still, that's what you hear. So. <laughs> yeah. so we're on Facebook, too. So you can follow us. And we are ramping up our Indiegogo. We've got some cool stuff coming out. Cool. For that. We'll put, to, we'll put together a bio for you and we can link to whatever you want. Yeah. Awesome. OK, enough about me. <laughs> OK. Uh, so the idea here is that we're going to be asking three sets of questions covering your childhood, teenage years, and adulthood to find out what it is about horror that you personally like. The idea being that if we come at it from these different directions, sometimes it triggers memories that you'd forgotten. But that said, if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, just say pass and we'll move on. Okay. But starting with childhood, what are, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? 
Okay. Um, yeah, and you guys will have to shut me up because this is the kind of stuff I'll talk about all night. Um, so, Unfortunately, we don't have anybody scheduled after this call. So we got that out of the way. All right. So um, I guess I'll just start with, this is a chronologically my first memory of horror. I was walking past the TV in our family room. And this is when, you know, TVs were on all the time mm-hmm. and commercials were always on and they weren't really censored back then. You know, you could watch like trailers for horror movies were like on the middle of entertainment tonight and they were awesome. And I remember walking by the TV and like hearing, are you afraid of the dark? Mm-hmm. And like, I remember like the, I remember like a girl walking up steps and like a hand coming through like a slatted wall and grabbing her ankle. Mm-hmm. And I could never find it. So then when the internet came around, of course, then I, I'm Googling and everything else. And I still can't figure out what this movie is. I'm, you know, it's uh, different things come up, but it's like, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. Was it people under the stairs? No, no. Okay. So I was at the drive-in. Uh, we yeah. have, we are fortunate in Indiana in Shelbyville, Indiana. We have a drive-in that is very dedicated to horror, independent horror. It's actually where we did the Embalmers uh, premiere. Awesome. It's so we have they have a lot of nights where they play horror movies and they'll play like trailers, old trailers, old commercials. And and I was just sitting there between movies and I hear, are you afraid of the dark? And I was like, holy shit. That's the one. That's the one. Yes. And it ended up being the movie Silent Scream, which is an all right movie. It's not the greatest okay. movie. The trailer's still cool because then I like I was like, oh, my God. You know, like I had just found this like massive like. My memory and i went back to look and it came out in the states in november of 1979 so i would have been three years old and prior to that my earliest memory was may of 1980 hmm. so my okay. earliest memory is a horror movie damn it nice, nice. <laughs> yeah so i can pinpoint <laughs> it back to that aside from that um i didn't watch a lot of horror movies i mean we didn't even have cable until i was probably like nine or ten so, you know, we didn't have a VCR, anything like that. I was a scaredy cat. I was afraid of like absolutely everything horror until Michael Jackson's thriller, which you ah, hear. Uh, so many, so many people our age say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're like, I was scared until it was like somebody I really loved and, you know, yeah. it made it fun. But my other early memory that really, I don't think I realized it at the time, but it really sat with me as I've grown older is Entertainment Tonight. I just mentioned that. I remember when American Werewolf London was being made mm-hmm. and Entertainment Tonight had a little featurette about, you know, Rick Baker and how they're doing, you know, how they were doing the transformation. I had a huge crush on David Naughton for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I saw it and I was really intrigued. I'm like, well, I think that was my first thing of like, it can't be that scary if it's David Naughton. And it's kind of cool that they're doing this stuff. So I think those are probably two of my biggest trigger memories Mm-hmm. of of when i really was first introduced to horror so uh, so the first three things that you've mentioned are this silent scream american werewolf, werewolf in london and thriller mm-hmm. but for silent scream obviously you didn't see the movie at that time no. but something about that trailer stuck out to you i'm guessing yes. did it scare you or excite you it, or yeah both? it was exciting like mm-hmm. it was very it's it's very dark and so when i watch it now i kind of i kind of see why i was drawn to it did you want to expound on that? No, <laughs> no. I, I mean, no. It's just it was kind of dark. It was foreboding. The voice was very deep. And mm-hmm. the girl getting her ankle, like, grabbed. Something about that was just really creepy. And I don't know. I'm trying to picture it. Was the voice kind of like that old school grindhouse voice? Like, are you afraid of the dark? Yeah, With yeah. The stinger in the background. Very, like, very monotone dude. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. monotone voice. Very deep. Uh, just some very low music in the background, you know. 
American watched- Werewolf in London. I did not watch that till many years later okay. as well. But you had seen the uh, the Michael Jackson thriller video at a young age. Yes. So I saw that mm-hmm. and I had the poster on my wall, uh-huh. um, which was a huge step for me. <laughs> really <laughs> huge step, man, to have those zombies <laughs> on my wall. Right. <laughs> but as far as the first horror movie, obviously, I've gone through these before. So um, I with other podcasts and just and on my own, the first horror movie that I remember watching, and this is going to sound terrible. It's going to make some adults sound like they were very irresponsible. Um, and they were. But uh my aunt had two VCRs and she used to do the illegal thing of like, she'd rent a movie and tape it. Oh I, yeah. I have that. never done nor witnessed that or, or helped a family member do that whatsoever. Yeah. You thought police were going to bust in your door. <laughs> if you recorded right? a videotape back That's then. That's why right? they had the FBI thing. Uh, on the yeah, start of every video. Yeah, there was a time that was actually pretty scary. You mean the thing I can't skip over? Yeah. So she had like rented a million movies, had like this notebook with like numbered tapes. And then it said like what tapes were penciled in, what movies were on what tapes and everything. Holy shit, so your mom this- was the, the godfather <laughs> well, of bootleg that- tapes. Well, this was my aunt, but she aunt, was. Sorry. She was like, yeah, I mean, she was like the torrenter of now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she was the Chris of now. I had two, uh, two older sisters. One is six years older. One is 14 years older. And we went out to my aunt's house. She had a pool. She was the cool aunt. You know, my sisters got to drink and we spent all day swimming. And then, you know, she's got the book and, you know, like, here, you guys want to watch movies and blah, blah, blah. And I'm five. And uh, the first one that my family picked, we were talking about dumb, dumb movies earlier off air. We were talking about dumb comedies. The first one they picked was the Kentucky Fried movie. (laughs) (laughs) Strangely enough, directed by John Landis. But it's all like boobs and like sex jokes and everything else. Um, and it's still, still one of my favorite movies. And um, but then the second one was I Spit on Your Grave. Mm-hmm. And I was young. I was like five. I didn't know what sex was. So I sure as hell didn't know what rape was. Right. And I always I, I, I will say, like, I can't believe they had me in the room while this movie was on. Mm. But um, I am a huge rape revenge fan. And it, I, I yeah. point back to this movie because when I was that age, Every woman I knew was just kind of a doormat. You know, you could either be a secretary or a mom or, you know, you, you just couldn't really do a whole lot. I mean, the fact that this woman was a writer was, you know, kind of odd to me. Like she's a writer and she's going to this house by herself. And it was a little weird to me. And uh, so there's a little empowerment there. But like all I saw was these boys hurt her and she didn't go run to mom or a teacher or whatever. She took care of it herself. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a template for like the way I've lived my life and a lot of the movies that I like. And that's that's the story I always tell when people are like, how can you like rape revenge? It's like it's not about the rape. It's about breaking, yeah, the revenge, breaking right? like, this person focus down. on the important part. I don't know. What do you like? Just rape movies? No, rape revenge. Right. And, and the idea that so if somebody gets murdered, obviously they can't avenge their own death unless you get supernatural yeah. You know, if somebody gets like completely beaten up and maimed and they're in the hospital for months upon months mm-hmm. that, you know, they can't, you know, then that you have to have a montage of them learning karate and all that mm-hmm. crap. <laughs> but like rape revenge is the thing where the person gets broken down and hurt and brutally assaulted, but they still physically can rise up mm-hmm. like unless they've gotten their legs broken or something like that. And, and that's what I like is there's, there's an immediate gratification. Like the girl can just like 
spend a couple days just nursing her wounds and, you know, seething and then just get up and be like, I'm going to go get these motherfuckers. <laughs> Instant gratifications that way. Right. Exactly. I think there's actually a movie that combines rape, revenge and resurrection. I want to say savaged. Woman gets raped and then she's possessed by a Native American spirit oh, that gives no. her supernatural um, powers. I don't know if that's the name of it, but yeah, I know what movie you're talking about. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, so that was, a, you said like five or six years old. That is pretty young for that. Right? Yeah, and like I said, they were drinking and my oldest sister was driving and drinking and you know, driving mm-hmm. me home, but that's okay. <laughs> Whatever, I'm here and I got a, got a good story. Right. <laughs> Well, those are definitely some uh, good things to start off with. Um, did you participate in Halloween as a kid? Mm. Yeah, I never really liked Halloween when I was a kid. No? no? I have social anxiety anyway. And oh. I was very much, uh, I was a dork. I didn't fit in with most people. I didn't certainly didn't want to knock on strangers' doors. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, it was just the norm. So, yeah, I mean, I you know, I would dress up for the school party and then I would reluctantly go trick-or-treating but it was just never really like anything that I cared about and still to this day I kind of hate Halloween okay hear me out um because it's been good it's been good talking to you (laughs) hear me out I kind of hate Halloween because it is this is really sacrilegious sounding but I feel in October how really hardcore real Christians must feel in December. Like all of a sudden in December, everybody loves Jesus. Everybody's holier than thou. And they're giving to they're giving to charities and working at soup kitchens and doing all this Christ-like stuff. You know, where they're like, hey dude, where are you in freaking August? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then the other 11 months out of the year, they're considered to be freaks. And that's the way I feel like horror fans are. October, all, right. all the posers come around. Ooh, I like scary movies. I like to be scared. And then, like, in like March, they're like, why are you watching that? Why are you wearing those shoes that have blood splatter mm-hmm. on them? So <laughs> it just, it, it kind of sours it for me because I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't need a month or a day <laughs> to celebrate this shit. I'm 12 months out of the year, baby. Twenty-four <laughs> seven, three sixty-five, bitch. That's right. Halloween is every day. So saith Al Jorgensen. I'm not wearing a costume. This is my costume. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, I don't need October to come around to wear my like my Jason Voorhees shoes or, you know, mm-hmm. or like watch a horror movie. Like I don't need a special occasion. Special occasion is it's Monday and today sucked and I'm gonna watch a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any really scary dreams as a child? You know, I don't really remember having scary dreams. I'm sure I did because, like I said, I was a scaredy cat. I do remember uh, the the miniseries V. Mm-hmm. My family was watching that, and I was getting ready to go to bed. And I walked in when um, I think Hold it was Char- I think it was Charles. He had died and got revealed. One of them got revealed as the as the lizard person uh-huh. and they spin a chair around and he was there. I walked in just at that moment and I do remember I had trouble sleeping. I told my mom, I'm like, mom, <laughs> I can't, you know, whatever. She's like, oh, just just hide under the blankets. But I go, but what if he's under the blankets? Like I was even <laughs> smart back then, right? Steve, was it you that had that same exact experience as a kid? Not that, not that yeah, one. The, on that I, it was V, but not that scene. No? Okay, different scene. For me, it was the scene. It was the uh, the baby um, being born. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so no scary dreams, or how about um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
you know, there's a phrase for this, but when you have repetitive dreams that keep coming back, oh, recurring. Um, like recurring dreams, recurring. Thank you. No, no. Everything that every, the only dreams that I've, it's only been since I've been an adult, I have anxiety induced dreams mm. and they're always about real life stress. Like, yeah. right. like, uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm trying to get to school to take my last exam to graduate college and I can't seem to get there. That kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all very just like adulty, dumb kind of stuff. Wake up clawing the air in a cold sweat. Ah, the property taxes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. All right. So no phobias or anything like that. No, I mean, nothing, you know, I had no trauma. I was very, you know, at a very, very sugary life i was i was not every uh, question is gonna hit it, you just never know what's gonna hit so you gotta right right on. i mean i i grew up in a in a trailer i was low class <laughs> you know i i made straight a's i you know i was a dork i loved to play with barbies and you know that was me you the know American that was dream. you know i wore like thick glasses and you know i was a dork till i was like in seventh grade so mm. there you go <laughs> Your mom and your aunt and your two older sisters were they horror fans, or was it just that you happened they happened to pick that movie? Well, my, well, my mom wasn't there. It was just my aunt and my sisters. Okay, they happened to pick that movie, I think, because it it was just those were like taboo. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are two taboo movies. You know, like ooh, we got to watch something rated R, or something hardcore, something we would never see at home because again, right. we had no cable, no VCR, or anything. My oldest sister did contribute to my horror love and she does not remember this at all and she <laughs> is not a horror fan she can't say in fact she'll be like what's that what's that one guy you like and i'm like jason Voorhees. i was like you were the one that i first watched it with so when i was eight uh my sister again she's much older than i was uh she had a baby and my mom needed somewhere for me to be during the summer while she worked pamela needed some help during the day. So I was going over there every day. It's like, you know, nice little balance. And part four was getting ready to come out. And so the USA channel uh, was like marathoning one, two, and three, like just, they would play those three over and over like cable TV tended to do. And so when, when my nephew would lay down for a nap, like Pamela and I would turn on USA and it always inevitably be one of the one of the first three Fridays, heavily edited, we'd sit there and play Boggle or Yahtzee or something, and that would be on. And that was where I first saw those movies. And that's I I I would like to think that's where I really started becoming a fan. But yeah, like she doesn't remember that. And and like so many other people that I'm sure have said this before, like, you know, then it's like you start making friends and you know, you go to slumber parties and you guys start watching these movies and you know, and everybody's like, "Ooh, cool, cool!" And then, like, there's like one point in time when you turn like 15 or 16 or something, and it, and it's like, "Hey, can, do you guys want to watch Flesh Eating Mothers?" <laughs> no, we want to watch Pretty Woman. And like, and then it's like, like everybody else has forgotten about horror, but it's like, wow, I didn't grow out of it. You know, like everybody else just—it's like a phase for everybody else. And for right. me, it wasn't. I mean, my sister's kind of into horror. She actually uh, co-wrote The Embalmers with me. It, it's not super horror, though. She she vetoed most of the horror, horror stuff. Um, but, you know, she goes to conventions with me and stuff. And she she's working as a producer now on some horror movies. But she's not, like, a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so you had mentioned earlier being a big fan of camp slashers. 
obviously Friday the 13th is a camp slasher. Well, yes. <laughs> what? Uh, do you think that that's where your love of that really came from or did it not really cement until later on? Um, I think that's where it started. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty early on. I probably didn't watch a whole lot more movies till I was maybe like 10, 11, like any movies like that per mm-hmm. se. And then I think that's, that's kind of the age when, you know, we started going to the video store on a Friday night when you have like a friend over and you get to pick a movie and that kind of thing. As is tradition. Um, but yeah. Um, so I, I, yes, I think that's exactly where my, my template for camp slasher love came from. Okay. Uh, but okay. So you said nobody else was a big horror fan. Mm-hmm. Still not. No. <laughs> Ew. So you, you mentioned on, I spit on your grave. You mentioned it being, you know, being a rape revenge fan and feeling empowered. Did you feel like it that at that time watching that movie or was it scary at the time? Like, you know, I don't really remember. I'm sure I was scared. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I didn't pay a hundred percent attention. I mean, you said but, you were five at the time, so you obviously didn't know about yeah, the sexual right, aspect of yeah. it, so you couldn't really understand I, I didn't fully understand. the revenge. Right, I didn't understand. All I understood was that they, they hurt her, they were, being, they were bullying her, and they were hurting her, hmm. yeah. and she took care of it on her own. So, hmm. I mean, yeah, there was that. So I don't know that I was necessarily scared, or if I walked out feeling like, like I'm going to go put on my Wonder Woman underoos and you know <laughs> run for president when I grow up. Like I wasn't necessarily like that. It's just something that in retrospect, I can see that that really made a mark on me. Well, I was also thinking, you know, seeing that with your aunt and your older sisters and maybe seeing how they reacted to it may have also given you some guidance on like, this is how I should respond to this. I, you know, I honestly don't remember even in retrospect, like in my mind's eye, I don't remember them watching it. Like they, they must, they probably watched it, but I have a feeling they were probably drinking wine coolers and like playing cards or something. Like oh, I, I only more, remember, more in the background. I only remember my experience with it. Okay. Do, do, do. Uh, I guess let's jump over to teenage years then. What were some Woo! of the scary <laughs> stories or books or movies that uh, impacted you in your teenagers? So teenage years. Um, it was probably not until I would say like I was 12-ish before I started renting movies on my own. Okay. And I was very fortunate. So I live in a, I live in a small town in Indiana, not a whole lot going on. Uh, we had a few mom and pop video stores that always would have like the normal movies. But I was very fortunate that throughout my teenage years, there was one video store in town, the guy who owned it. He was very into horror and he, it was, it was an independent video store. It wasn't a box store or anything like that. And he would buy anything horror sight unseen. And that was a bulk of what was on his shelves. I mean, he would have like all the normal movies too, but really like when I, like when I think back, I walked in there and I was like, horror, (laughs) you know, like that's where like faces of death was and you know, that kind of stuff. And I started renting things based on the cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you look at the back, you're like, Oh, that looks like a good kill. That looks like a good kill. I'm going to take this one. Mm -hmm. And as I was renting these movies, and again, I've had time to process a few decades to process all this, but I would pick up movies and I would, there are some movies that I would rent over and over like flesh eating mothers. I, I 
mentioned that. I rented that so many stinking times. Sleepaway Camp 2, I rented it so many times. I probably could have bought the VHS at the time when VHSs were very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know the difference between a $10,000 budget movie and a $10 million budget movie. And I would rent some of the bloodiest, goriest, goofiest ones. And, um, and, now, and now when I look back, the ones I was really drawn to were more of the independent, low budget, uh, a lot of shot on video, because um, that was that was the heyday, and that was where mm-hmm. that was where things were. That's where there's that's where things were at. They weren't censored like Hollywood movies, and those were the ones I started renting. So yeah, so those two I mentioned those two, and there were some mainstream ones that I watched too, like the Friday the Thirteenth movie, Sleepaway Camp. Those were not mainstream. Those only have become mainstream in the last. I say 10 years. Yeah. Uh, no one talked about those movies. And uh, Felissa Rose came to the first convention I ever went to in like 2010. Mm-hmm. And she had this little table and I couldn't <laughs> even buy a sleepaway camp shirt. I made one. I like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I got the, like the iron on thing where you put it in the printer, you get a uh-huh. picture and you put it in the yep. printer and I ironed it on and everything. And like I went up to her and you could tell she was just like not knowing what she was doing. Like she's just like, what the <laughs> fuck am I doing here? And like up walks this girl at Sleepaway Camp Sure, She's like, oh my God, you have a shirt. Oh my God, that's so cute. You know? And uh, and you know, you could tell she was just like, I she's like, I came here. I didn't know that anybody ever watched this movie. You know, and now look at it, she's like the darling. Yeah. You know? But when I you know, but those movies were not they weren't financially successful or anything no, like that. They, not, they, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, more of a cult following. Didn't uh, cult following. And it took a while. I like mm. to say I'm on the cusp of that, Yeah, but I did rent a lot of shot on video, like uh, Tim Ritter's truth or dare. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to totally blank out the Polonia brothers stuff. So like splatter farm, uh, then another one that's actually like 16 millimeter lunch meat. I would rent, I like, I would rent all these random ass movies that were just weird. Redneck Zombies, that was another favorite. So some of the ones that you mentioned here, um, let's start with the first two that sounded like they're big to you, Flesh Eating Mothers. What did you like about that one? I don't know. It was like, it's just, it's a dumb movie. It's sort of dumb. It's still kind of creepy when the mothers actually like go nutso. They like unhinge their jaws and have all these teeth. It, it actually still looks pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. That one is just that one had some really crazy dialogue too. <laughs> it just, I mean, it was it was it was cheesy. It was bad, and mm. I think cheesy is another good word to put on what I like. I liked something that made me like roll my eyes and laugh too. Yeah. Campy, ah, campy camp slashers, huh? Huh? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about so you know, going back to sleepaway camp? So. Obviously, that one is camp uh, in the non-campy sense. Well, I watched Sleepaway Camp probably a dozen times before I... Or Sleepaway Camp 2, I'm sorry, probably a dozen times before I ever rented Sleepaway Camp. I rented Sleepaway Camp 2, and it is, to me still, that is, I cite that in Friday the 13th Part 2 as my favorite movies of all time. Um, Sleepaway Camp 2 did what very few movies have done. And that is they gave you good horror. They gave you good kills. They gave you characters that you cared about, either good or bad. They had, you know, the cast and everything was like very, uh, I don't know, very believable. And, you know, it was kind of that 80s thing of like, you've got like the jock and you got the dork, but not so overly at what didn't turn into the Breakfast Club. Yeah. But the humor, the humor in that 
is so spot on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many little things like where she grabs, like, you know, she's trying to tell this one girl, listen, if you want to come back, you can come back. And, and, you know, she goes to reach in the back and the girl goes, what are you going to do? Grab a gun. And then she pulls up and goes, no, a drill. And then just like starts drilling in the girl's <laughs> head and blood starts spurting on her face. And she's got this look on her face like, ooh, uh. you know, it just the subtlety of the comedy is so great. And, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, later we would start getting more parody type things that were just making the obvious joke. But that was just I, I just I still love it. To this day, it's a comfort movie for me. But yeah, then I ended up watching Sleepaway Camp many iterations later, and Sleepaway Camp 3, which is, it's okay, That that's never one that I like go back to very often. But Sleepaway mm-hmm. Camp 1, I really loved, but I already knew what the end was going to be. So, I mean, that didn't do anything for me, but I really liked the movie because it was a camp slasher and, you know, this, this little, you know, mousy girl kind of, is the one causing all the havoc. And so, yeah. Hmm. Something about the uh, mouse and girl, maybe being um, a relatable protagonist. Probably, probably. Mm, so I'm guessing same thing with Halloween in your teenagers. Didn't really dress up. There. Nah. No. Uh, any, re- any reoccurring dreams or scary dreams in your teens? No. I mean, I was getting more self-absorbed in my teens uh, to like early teens. You know, I started I like I did. I had like the 1980s movie um, stereotypical movie experience. I was chubby. I wore thick glasses. I had, you know, bad hair. And like one summer, the summer between sixth and seventh grade, I just I just decided I wasn't going to be that way anymore. I lost a bunch of weight. I got contacts. I got my hair fixed, went back. People didn't know who I was. The guy who I had a crush on all through sixth grade who didn't know I existed all of a sudden had a crush on me. Mm. And I made cheerleading. Mm. Yeah. So That's, you might as well put John Hughes in charge of my life seriously. at that point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I had like this weird, very quick turnaround. And I pretty much spent like seventh, eighth grade and also a little bit of ninth grade. Ninth grade, I started getting a little like, you know, like I... I still don't like the same things that other people like. Like I really was into Twin Peaks in ninth grade. Like I can name one other person who was into Twin Peaks who was like a teenager at the time. Mm. And so by the time I hit like 15, 16, I was done with all the cheerleading stuff. I was done with trying to make people happy. Like, okay, I was popular for a while. I'm done with that. Yeah, yeah. I had Did it. That. I'm done. Moving on next. Yeah. 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 So I, I've been, I've tended to be whoever I've wanted to be, like, and do whatever I wanted to do my whole life. So, yeah. So I just kind of said, screw it. This is not where I'm at right now. And, um, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to watch what I want and hang out with who I want and all that jazz. So it was an, it was an odd time. It was a dark Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) Dark and rainy night. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one, I think I, I don't remember if I asked this for childhood or not, but did you have anything that happened in real life that actually scared you? No, I mean, really? Yeah. I've never had anything, anything that wasn't just, uh, you know, kind of stupid, you know, I mean, I can't even like, I'm sure I got scared. I mean, my sisters always try to scare me. I mean, I was just, you know, my, uh, I don't know if you know what this looks like, but the, uh, queen album news of the world. 
had like this big oh, yeah. robot. He was like tromping through a city and he had like people in his hands and they had like blood hanging out. It used to scare me when I was a kid. And my sisters used to chase, chase me around the trailer with that album when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were, they were sadistic. But, you know, but like as far as anything real, no. I mean, I lived through a couple tornadoes that didn't do any damage, you know, that kind of thing. I didn't really have any kind of trauma. Even as a teenager, I didn't really like live through anything bad. I mean, it's not a bad thing. No, no. All right. Uh, and in in the teenagers, you didn't have anybody that was a fan of horror? No, I mean, I had- was Like friend or family? Yeah, I mean, I had people that humored me. But not a mutual fan. Yeah, like not, I, there was nobody of my my level, no. And in fact, okay. all through college, it wasn't like that. It was not until I was a full-blown adult the internet came around like hardcore before I ever met people that I really connected with in horror. And I think horror conventions to 2010, I want to say is the first year that a horror convention was here in Indy. And it was like, I, the first time I walked into one of those, I was like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. Like it was, it was huge. Like I found oh my, my people. Yes, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, I had only found like little enclaves of, of people online before that. And mm -hmm. yeah, that is one huge change in the world now with the internet that oh, know, yeah. <laughs> people, you know, younger people don't understand that, you know, today they can go online and very quickly find a community of people like themselves. Whereas before the internet, you were just alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, good luck. You know, there was a lot of me like driving to Bloomington, which is the nearest college town, and renting movies, and then like going home and watching them in the middle of the night by myself. Like, I, it was definitely it, movie watching definitely became uh, a very personal thing, and it was it was no longer I don't care if anybody else wants to watch this, I'm going to watch it, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'm going to do it by myself. Yeah. <laughs> so if I were to summarize the you know childhood section. There was some excitement there, but also some, you know, empowerment and opposed to that in the teenage years, it seems like the bigger emotion there is just fun and, and campiness. Mm -hmm. And then I was going to ask, did any of the spooky, exciting feeling or the empowerment also follow through into the teenage years? Was there some media that, that elicited those feelings? Uh, and then you kind of just said right there something about empowering. Oh, your decision to uh, to watch movies by yourself, whether they wanted to or not. That's kind of empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that is, and that's that's really just I'm you know who I am. Like I'm I'm gonna go over here, and if anyone wants to follow me, that's fine. If you don't want to, I'm still going. Like mm -hmm. that's just kind of the way I am. I mean, it took a long time for me to get to that point. I mean, but yeah, there. I mean. There have been occasions where I've been maybe a little freaked out by a movie. Like The Exorcist. It's still kind of like, I still kind of go, ooh, you know, every time like Reagan's head turns around. Mm -hmm. Or like when the director's cut came out and she had like the spider walk down the stairs. But it wasn't scary. It was just kind of like, ooh, that's kind of creepy. Like, I just don't get scared. I don't watch horror movies to get scared. I really do wish I could have a little bit of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one friend who she has like this childlike reaction to horror movies. And she actually, she acts in horror movies. And I think you guys actually inter interviewed her, Heather Harlow. I think she was one of your, mm, one of your people. No, that, Maybe not. That, not yet. I don't think. 
But <laughs> we'll she, have to put her on the list. <laughs> yeah, she does special effects and is an actress, but still, yeah. there's a there are a lot of movies that she hasn't watched. Even movies that she has watched, she gets like legit like creeped out, and I really like watching that. Like I I envy mm-hmm. that. To yeah, a you like you experience it vicariously it. through her. Yeah, I I am right. jealous of people like that. It's it's hard for something yeah. to scare me anymore. Maybe an uncomfortable feeling here and there, or like a an yeah. unease if a movie is really good with tension and has that tone all the way through it. But I cannot remember the last time I actually jumped out of my seat and was scared by a movie. Yeah, and I and I haven't been either. The only time that I can say, and th- this movie will always have a special place in my heart. I'm jumping ahead a little bit because I was an adult when The Ring came out, the American Ring, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I had just had my baby, and um, she was just at the point where she could stay with Grandma for a night. So I, you know, it's like my husband and I had like a date night. And I'm like, okay, there's this horror movie that came out. I'm going to go see it. You know, like I, I hadn't been to the theater forever and I'm just like, I don't know what it's about. I don't care. I'm going to go see it. So I went and saw it, liked it, you know, thought it was pretty cool. Hmm. But then I went home, you know, we hung out and everything. And then later that night in the middle of the night, I had to get up and go to the bathroom and in my, like where my bathroom was, I had to walk through a hallway. And so I started walking through the hallway and I turned to my right and I did not, even like realize it until that like that mirror that the mom is brushing her hair in and like Samara comes up behind her. Like I have a mirror that looks almost exactly like that. It was hanging oh, on the shit. wall. And like all of a sudden, like my heart skipped a beat. And I was like, oh my God, that movie got to me. And like now I watch it and it's so dated. The CGI is so dated. Yeah. But like I still like I still have this really warm feeling about that movie because it actually gave me a legit sense of creeped out, even if it was just for a second when I turned to that mirror, you know? <laughs> so it's interesting that you say that because I didn't I guess I didn't really pick up on that. So you're saying that even when you were a kid, you were never actually scared of any of those things? When anymore? I was a kid kid. Like I would say okay. When I was like 10, 11 and prior, yes, I was scared mm-hmm. pretty much shitless. <laughs> and then I started watching them with other people and then I just really liked them. And then, you know, we kind of started like, you know, riffing on them and, and that kind of thing, making fun of some of the stuff. And then that's where more where it went. And then I just wasn't scared anymore. Got it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, you mentioned Exorcist. Was that? Did you see that as a, an adult or a teen? Um, I mean, I saw it when I was a teenager. I can't, I can't pinpoint the first time I ever saw it. It really wasn't one that stands out as something that was definitive in my mind. Mm. I mean, certainly, certainly a great movie and a movie that I revisit, you know, every so often, but not one of the the ones in my formative years, I guess. Gotcha. <laughs> like I'm kind of picking off like the ones that I just. When I think back to those ages, the ones that come to mind. Right. No, that's fine. Uh, I think we've asked all the questions already from the teenage years. I'm just looking through real quick. Uh, Okay. So adult years, you mentioned the ring. Uh, What else would you qualify as maybe like top three? (laughs) I watch a lot of movies. Mm -hmm. As far as like 2000s or like things that I remember. Yeah, the ring. I remember that one. Then I started watching a lot more movies in the theater because, you know, I was older and, and whatnot. You know, when I saw some of the, the bigger budget movies, they started to get a little bit better in the 2000s. But I still was more likely to rent, to rent horror movies. Uh, late 90s, early 2000s, I was a big fan of going to Blockbuster and getting whatever Asian 
horror that they had, hmm. you know, which was a mixed bag at the time. Like, you know, that dimension Asian extreme line that they had there. Mm -hmm. You could pick up some really great ones. You could pick up some really crap ones. But I did rent uh, Uzumaki and the first Tomie movie. Mm -hmm. And after I rented those two, I was like, I, I sight unseen. I don't care. It was almost like I was a kid again. Like when I would just like pick up just anything that looked like it was a bloody camp slasher. Now I'm like, I'll, I'll pick up anything Asian. I don't fan for life. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Chris's and, cat is Chris's cat is named Uzumaki. Oh, nice. My, <laughs> my daughter, once I, once my daughter was probably like 13 or something. And I'm like, I introduced her to that movie and she like after that, like she got super into Junjunito and had to get all the books and, mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, oh, look what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Parenting. Win. Doing it yes. right. Yes. Yep. So, I, yeah, and I still watch anything low budget. So, like, I started watching Peter Jackson, not Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, goddammit, but, like, Dead Alive, okay. Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles. I'd never mm -hmm. seen those before. I think I started picking up some of the Todd Sheets stuff, like, oh, I'm um, sorry, a Goblin, and that type of stuff. Probably a lot more of the shot on video from the 90s, which I'm still, like, rediscovering because I was really big onto it in the 80s, and, and I kind of missed this kind of window of uh of classic shot on video so so hang on rather than just you know making a laundry list of all the cool things that you've seen if i were to say you know pick give me the top three that you felt you had a strong emotional reaction to what would those three be movie okay <laughs> this is so hard like <laughs> i watch a lot of movies uh one movie that i absolutely adored and still do is cabin in the woods okay the evil dead Remake, mm -hmm. re-envisioning, sequel, whatever that was. I, I really dug oh, that. Good. I saw that. I saw that one in the theater. Mm -hmm. I do remember when House of a Thousand Corpses came out. So when I heard that Rob Zombie was going to make a horror movie, I was like, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is it. This is this is the renaissance. This is the start of something completely new. Rob Zombie is going to make a freaking horror movie. Yeah. And it is going to be so good. Yeah. And then, you know, like whatever, however long time it took for them to do it. So then I went to see it. I think I actually, I think I actually skipped out of work mm. to go see it. <clears throat> you know, and the, the opening comes on and it's just like, you know, kick ass rockabilly. And like, I was like, oh, this is this. I'm like strapped in. I'm ready to go. I'm settled. And like, there's something about the last third of that movie with the Dr. Satan crap that even still now, the first two thirds of that movie were like everything I ever wanted. Mm. And then when it gets to like the going underground with Dr. Satan, it still loses me. Like I've, I've watched it a thousand times and, you know, done podcasts and, you know, and, and reviews and that kind of thing. So I can kind of do a two minute recap that is still kind of, that still kind of loses me. But if I look back, that movie was, I mean, that was huge. It was everything. Like it, it really did change things. I was kind of right. And another one, um, this sounds stupid, but, um, House on Haunted Hill from 1999. Okay. Uh, it's not one I watch very often, but it is one I watched in the theater and it was Halloween, uh, you know, when they were uh, releasing all of those Dark Castle movies, like every year at Halloween, you know, packed theater and like the beginning where, you know, it's kind of, it's like filmed in like kind of a sepia tone and you've got all those insane people like take over the asylum and they just jam that big wad of pencils and the doctor's neck and everything. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one from that same general time period that again, the end 
kind of lost me and still to this day loses me a little bit. But Jeepers Creepers. The first one? Yes. When yeah. I watched that in the theater, again, sight unseen, had no idea what it was. The very the beginning of it feels very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It does. Very like realistic and and still I'm just like, oh my God. Like these kids are in this like old car, like it's like a mile to a gallon. Don't go down that road, you know? It'll be fine. It's fine. Yeah. I, I was but when it became a creature, I was like, what? <laughs> and now I've come to accept that it's a creature, although I do still watch it and think like, how the hell did he get a vanity plate from the DMV? <laughs> yeah, beating you. Like, I you mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all about suspension of disbelief. I really am. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, that still to me is like, because it seemed, it made it seem personal and real that he had a vanity plate and they were playing their little bumper sumper game trying to guess what it said. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's beating you. It's beating you. And it's like the fact that he like, yeah, what do you do? Put on like a hoodie and go, yes, I need to register my crap 1927 chevrolet truck um, <clears throat> uh, be, be eating you for the license plate please <laughs> 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 but i still do like that movie hmm. so there there are a few okay yeah okay. i guess that was like my just my pop quiz kind of thing yeah it's top of the head right. that works so going back to the top of the list and running down then so uzumaki what was your emotional reaction to that one? Oh my what god i was like fuck right like, i know i was like this is i mean because it's so i mean it's done so comic style there's mm -hmm. just a lot of like really tight shots on the characters faces a lot of really you know weird uh emotional really like emotional looks on these people's faces and people things happening and like the people not reacting in a natural way like it's just so out there I, yeah, I just I was like, this is this is batshit crazy. I love it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it was it was the whole thing of like, okay, first of all, finally somebody's doing something different. Once you get people who are making something like really good, there's going to be a million knockoffs, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like it wasn't a slam dunk, but it was kind of a opening my eyes that like, hey, maybe people are starting to have some different some different ideas you know, doing things just, just a little differently and giving us something new. So there was a, there was just a feeling of optimism there. You want an emotion. I had a feeling of optimism <laughs> that we were coming out of this, this dry spell of crap. I'm glad that you brought it back to that. Cause I'm sitting in there thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, where's the, <laughs> give me an emotion, I Rebecca, give me an emotion. but I was highly entertained. And okay. I mean, entertained, not in a, not in a way of like, Ooh, more blood, but like entertained in a way of like, wow, being entertained. Yeah. Yeah. being entertained in a different way, but by uh, the same genre, just a different subgenre. Well, so the optimism that you're talking about, though, when I think about that, that almost seems like meta commentary to me because you're it sounded like you were saying you're optimistic about what it was going to do for the genre, not necessarily optimism about what's in the movie itself. Does that make sense? Right. But yes, optimism about. Hey, horror is kind of turning back around. We're kind of, you know, we're we're getting more to, you know, just like I was saying with House of a Thousand Corpses. Turning back around to what? To something that I wanted to watch. Something that was good, something that I felt like people were making original things. And I think, like I said, House of a Thousand Corpses, whereas I had a little bit of problem when I walked out of the theater, it still did it's it kind of said to me, okay, things are gonna change. The emotion was excitement. It was excitement. It was uh, brain candy. 
That's not an emotion. Brain candy. Brain mm-hmm. candy. Stimulation for the brain. Yeah. There. Uh, you know, that's kind of an emotion. <laughs> Man, I need a thesaurus right now. I know, right? Right. What about Cabin in the Woods? It makes fun of fans of that genre without being mean. Some parodies can get downright mean and, and, and just basically stare at you and be like, you know what? You like the original movies that this is all based on? You're stupid. You're dumb for liking them. This is, we like these movies too. And this is why we think they're absolutely ridiculous. And this is why we like them. And this is why we're going to put these jokes in. It was, it was people who I could tell felt the same way about these movies as I did. Right. Um, and so it ends up being sharp. And uh, yeah, like I won't like if anybody hasn't seen that movie, you've got to see that movie. But just the whole just the whole like sub layer, like, I mean, it ended up having like basically like four different like layers to it. And it it was just like and they were all good. I so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think I think I did see that one. And that, like you say, it was it was fans of the genre making fun of the genre. So, right, right. Because it's different. Like if I'm teasing inside, jokes. if I tease my best friend and I go, you bitch. It's funny. If some random person walks up to her and goes, you bitch, it ain't so funny. Like, it's just, it's, it's a different, like knowing the, uh, knowing who it came from and Mm. who it's going to. Right. It's the implication. What about about, uh, the Evil Evil Dead remake? You know, we were having a lot of remakes and that type of thing at the time. Mm. Um, I really like that. It's one I need to watch again. I went to see it by myself in a time when I was really trying to become autonomous. My marriage was like shit and i just like i just wanted to be my own person and i was having trouble doing that and like i had one night where like nobody was home and i'm like i'm gonna go watch this movie so there's a little bit of that empowerment right there mm-hmm. to go with that i evil dead the original evil dead is one of my favorite movies of all times yeah and there's something about jane levy's character and the way that they turned it with the drug kind of arc yeah. Um, and like, oh, is she on drugs or, you know, they can't really trust her because she's not been trustworthy, you know, and, and her getting trying to get them to believe them, believe her, you know, eyeball slicing, all that jazz. Uh, I just thought it was I just thought it was really, really tight. Hmm. But I mean, the, the, I guess the strongest feeling I got of that one from you was in the empowerment. But that was, I guess, like you're saying, more empowerment and that you were able to go see it on your own terms. Yeah. But then also, you know, it was good to see her, uh, undoing a lot of the bad things she'd done to try Mm, to like, she actually, you know, she was pulling herself up by the bootstraps essentially. Like she had been on this really reckless path. Uh, nobody really, I mean, these people cared if she died, but they wouldn't have been surprised if she died, um, Mm. by her own hand. And then suddenly when it comes down to it and it's some, but something else trying to challenge her, she finally gets her head out of her butt and, <laughs> and like, she's like, okay, I'm going to defeat this. Mm-hmm. And so again, yeah, there's that empowerment as well. Okay. Um, for house of a thousand corpses, you mentioned the first two thirds were uh, pretty good. What did you like about those? I liked how just, Fast-paced. Uh, I liked the bad humor and potty mouth and loved baby and how uncomfortable their house is and just how gross everything was. And I love the murder ride. Like I totally yeah. would have done what those kids were doing, except for the one 
girlfriend who looked like she smelled a fart the whole time. She was so she was like so poo-poo on this whole like roadside attraction thing. I was like, oh my God, I wish I was like his girlfriend. I'd go on these freaking roadside attraction trips. Right. That sounds awesome to me. I'd do that right now. What was uncomfortable about the house? Um it was just so like the, the people were just so weird. And but it's like baby was so hot and the guys were so enwrapped by her that they they felt it. It was comical, obviously, it was that they felt it, but they were like, but she's hot. Yeah, so it's like, it I know this is a trap, but uh, she's hot. Yeah, she's hot. It can't be that bad. And then, yeah. you know, the girl then at that point, the girlfriends had the total right to be like, you are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to die here. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that kind of that playfulness and dichotomy of it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, let's see. House on the Haunted Hill. You mentioned there's that one scene with pencils on the neck. You're really excited about that. What excited you about that? With that one, I just like the feel. Like I kind of like old school. I like it when there's like a history of something weird happening and they show you, but it's not necessarily like, oh, somebody got got murdered in this house like the house was super cool and i really loved uh jeffrey rush and i'm gonna say her name wrong funky johnson no you got it i love the way like their like sharp dialogue between the two of them i, I just i really dug that and you throw in the marilyn manson sweet dreams and um <laughs> you know and it, it had it's it had you know some points that now if you watch it it's a little a little goofy but it really it, like it, 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 it did capture that whole uh, William Castle, like, experience. Like, as close as we're going to get. Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, there was a lot of atmosphere and a lot of, a lot of good dialogue, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, maybe wouldn't scare you, but were, that were pretty creepy. Um, do, do, do. So, again, still no Halloween costumes and, and participation in that as an adult, I assume? No. Um, I mean, the closest I've come is I, I actually cosplayed a couple times at horror conventions. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a YouTube channel that I did a whole series. It's not quite Final Girl. I did a whole series on girls that, that don't get the uh, recognition that the final girls get in movies. I hmm. some of the lesser yeah. known ones. So yeah. Like what's uh, her face with the, with the Mohawk and the knives and Freddie. Yes, in, I in did. Everything? I did that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Taryn. Taryn. Um, thank you. Taryn. Yes. Uh, I did um, Linda from the evil dead. I mm-hmm. did baby from house of a thousand corpses. Cause she, she, it, it's not necessarily that they don't die. Um, that's kind of how it started. Like the girls in the slashers that died. And so nobody talks about them. Then it got to your kind of unlikely, like she was more of like an anti-hero kind of thing. Like she was the antagonist, but you really liked her, that kind of thing. Yeah, I started with, jeez, uh, who did I start with? I did, uh, I, I was taking requests for a while. I did, um, oh, I can't think of her name. The bitchy girl from prom night. Um, <laughs> can't think of her name. Wendy, is that her name in the movie? And uh, Ben Watson I've seen prom night. So, yeah, so I just, I did these, like, really elaborate videos, and a lot of them involve cosplay. I would kind of dress up like the people. I did Violet from Friday the 13th Part 5 and actually did my hair with the, she was the one who was kind of the punk slash new wave girl. Mm-hmm. Like, the crimped hair. Like, I did my hair like that and stuff, and I actually, <laughs> the actress actually, like, reached out to me. Yeah. Tiffany Helm, that was probably the first time I had anybody, like, actually notice what I did. Like, somebody, you know, <laughs> like, 
I'm tempted to go look that up just because I want to see. You oh my god! Hair. Oh my god! I was so good. I was so good. Um, yeah, I use like three cans of that spray hairspray that makes your hair a different color. Aquanet. No, the kind that makes your hair oh. a different color. Yeah, yeah. It might as well have been Aquanet. Right. Trust me. Yeah. Oof, that was hard to get out of my hair. Uh, did you enjoy the process of, of that? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I did have a lot more time back then. It, it, they were, um, I think I ended up doing like 12 or 14 of them. Um, they oh. took a long time because there was a lot of research. I actually did research on all the, you know, the yeah. actresses and like, where are they now? And it's just kind of their whole story. And, and where it kind of came from was I realized I watched these movies where there's like a person who's on screen for like 15 minutes or whatever. But I've seen the movie so many times that I've kind of built their whole backstory in my head. Mm -hmm. um, like, and so I just wanted to get in depth with them. Allie from Sleepaway Camp, she Sleepaway Camp too. She was one that I did because I, I felt like I knew so much more about her than was let on in the movie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, let's see, I guess in your adult years then, had you found a group of friends that also enjoy horror or no? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess here's, this is my, this is my third act right here. So finally got out of, uh, my marriage that was just wrecking everything. <laughs> and as soon as he left, I got all my horror crap out of boxes, hung it all up. Uh, you know, cause it all been just, you know, I was going to horror conventions and getting signatures and like buying posters and everything else. And they were just going to storage hmm. <clears throat> and why it had been cute at one point, like, Oh, it's cute. You like these horror movies by the end. It was like, you're not going to make me watch a dumb horror movie. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it had gone that whole, that whole gamut. And I actually had found a group of people on Facebook who were super into a uh, horror I was an admin of this really large group that ended up being like a smallpox blanket. Like it was just, it was terrible. It was just like babysitting like 20,000 idiots. Mm. Um, but I did, I did like find people like me and I did realize that I could go places and actually see these people or, you know, like I've met people that I, that I know online and I, there are people mm. who I know online I've known for years. I've never met them in person. It doesn't matter. They're yep. still my friends. And now I pretty much uh, exclusively just that's pretty much all that I do on social media is horror stuff, promotion, you know, and I've, I've been fortunate to get into movies myself mm -hmm. and actually go places and work with cool people and make new friends. And I have people that uh, because of my movie here, I have met a lot of people who are very awesome and with the film industry here in Indiana. So be on the lookout for us, man. Indiana's <laughs> gonna. We're we're hoping Indiana's gonna blow up like in the next few years. It's gonna be the new Hollywood. Uh, no, I don't want it to be the new Hollywood. <laughs> I know, I said that sarcastically. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we want to be yeah. able to make movies without having to do day jobs. That's it. Okay. No Hollywood. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> right. Definitely good having a, a good social group to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So you mentioned um, for scary dreams for adulthood, real life oh, yeah. stress. Anxiety of, yeah, just not getting, not making deadlines and not doing stuff right and paying bills and all right. that, all that Which crap. Which is normal. Yeah. So <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, no. <laughs> and I think when we asked earlier, if anything uh, in real life, traumatic it happened to you i think you had even said not in your adult life either right yeah i mean nothing you know nothing terrible 
Okay. Uh, so the next next couple questions are going to be not just related to horror, but all, all any genre, and also not related to any specific time in your life. We're going to cover your whole life now. Oh my god. Um, Okay. <laughs> the first two questions I'll give you at the same time because they could be the same answer or different answers okay. depending. Um, and we already know the answer to, to one of these. Uh, you, the first two questions would be, what are your favorite movie of all time? And what movie would you say you've watched more times than any other? Uh, for favorite movie, you said tie between Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp 2 and one of the Friday the Friday 13th. Friday the 13th Part 2, which also are probably two of the movies I've watched the most. So I'm going to let's branch out here. So if I have to branch out beyond horror, uh, Young Frankenstein. Oh, I guess it's horror comedy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is a movie that I quote in my everyday life. Um, Airplane is another one. Nice. That fits both of those categories. I don't know how many times I've told friends this quote. No one ever gets it. We will go to my house for cake and punch (laughs) and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm usually doing like a Frau Blucher. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Um, he was my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, oh, RIP Oh, now I'm totally spacing out. Like, I'm like, I do like movies other than horror movies, but those are probably like my absolute favorites. I'm trying to think of like something that's not like a slapstick comedy, though. So okay. I'm kind of. Shut up. <laughs> so my, boy- my boyfriend just walked in and he goes, Titanic. No, no, we covered that. Spot. You haven't even seen it intentionally. I've, I've seen it. Oh, you have? I sat through it. Oh, wow. I sat through it. I did a drunken commentary on that. Oh, movie. okay. Oh, if you're going to watch it, that is the way to do it. You know what? I have never There's seen Titanic, but I might do that. I'm, I might just get really shit-faced drunk, record it, and watch Titanic. Mm-hmm. And do a riff tracks. It'll be fun. There you go. Yep. And that's exactly <laughs> what I do, and I did it for that. What movie would you say you've watched more times than any other? So I, I have this this concept of people will talk about um, I, I don't even remember what it is like they'll talk about movies movies on an island or something and desert island movies desert, yes yeah, right so like if I could bring one movie with me mm-hmm. what would I bring my idea of the deserted island movies are these are the movies I would not bring with me because I could stand there and act out the entire movie myself <laughs> and those would be probably Sleepaway Camp unnecessary. Two. <laughs> Uh, Friday the 13th, one through four. Yeah, probably Young Frankenstein would be one. I'm trying to think of something different. Dirty Dancing. I don't know why. I used to watch that movie and I can still recite it when it comes on. I'm like, woof. Wow. I can't remember to pay my car payment, but I can remember Dirty Dancing. Um, (laughs) What would you like about that one? um, I just used to watch it a lot when I was a kid. I watched it with my mom and I don't know. I liked I liked that she, I think I'd like that she was defiant against her parents and social norms. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain pattern going on here, kids. Em- empowerment. Yeah. There's a certain thing that goes on in my head. And rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. So if we were to, well, we kind of already answered this one too, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you see any common threads about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, uh, camp slashers. So if I had to go beyond camp slashers, I, I set that out there. Rape Revenge is another one. Oh, that's right. You did right. That. Rape Revenge is another big one. I am not across the board on any other subgenre. So werewolves, vampires, zombies. I like movies in those genres, but they're not slam dunks for me. 80s, 80s slashers are probably like the one that I, if I had to pick a genre to watch for the rest of my life, it would be that. 
so if we focus on camp slashers and rape revenge and we ask what it is, what any idea why you like those things, I think I know what the answer would be, but let's hear what you have. To I say. mean, if, okay. So if, if you have to, you're going to make the obvious, uh, the obvious correlation and it's sisters are doing it for themselves. Hmm. Like, I mean, my favorite final girl is Jenny from part two because she goes into the movie with with a set of skills she's a counselor you know camp counselor so she knows archery and you know how to use a chainsaw and you know things that maybe like your average like little like bubblegum chewing girl doesn't know but she's a graduate student and in the end yes she does she uses things that have been set out that we know that she already knows how to do she's not using she's not like able to push this guy this like six five dude across the room she, there are no miracles happening. Yeah. Right. These are all things that she's capable of doing. And in the end, she uses her education and her brains. Like, I'm like, yes, thank you. She uses child psychology. Anytime I can see <laughs> people use their actual degree, it, you know, like in real life, like I'm, I'm all like, yay, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, just from a personal perspective. But I think that's what it is. It's about like... I identify with the woman who says, screw it. I am going to do it myself. I, I, I do it myself, mm. you know, like, because that's how I've gotten to every point, every milestone I made in my life. That's how I've done it mm. is. I just said, you know what? I might have, like, I might have a support system. I might have people that, that are behind me, but you know what? I know it doesn't really matter because it all has to come from me. And I think that's where, why those two really resonate with me. Yeah, the two things I was going to say were empowerment, obviously, but also fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, oh, yeah. you've mentioned a lot of excitement. So then the question is, why horror? Because can't you find empowerment and fun in other genres? You know, um, yeah, I mean, this question obviously is something I've been asked before and something that I think about. I don't know. There's there's something about horror. I, I use the word comfort movies just like comfort food like i mean i had a bad day i'm gonna oh god i'm just gonna put sleepaway camp on and i've had just, a bad day i want to watch somebody else get murdered and, and get shit on you know right. it's, not, <laughs> it's not even that it's like i you know i i hit play on one of these it's like wow i think i'm just gonna fall asleep to texas chainsaw Massacre. you know <laughs> like it's just something like there's something in my brain it triggers something in my brain that just goes uh-huh. but i will say that Part of what I love about horror now that I'm older is I do love the community. So everybody kind of thinks that horror fans are maybe subversive in a way, violent even. Uh, they got something wrong with them. Usually it's the, you know, kind of we're on the outskirts of uh, society. You go to a horror convention and you've got everybody from like, you know, rich preppy people to like fat dumpy people and you know, all, the whole gamut, all the way in between. And they all just have come there out of the same thing. They all just really love this this genre. And it, there's like very much of a kumbaya kind of thing. Like, <laughs> you know, hands across America, everybody, you know? It's like, <laughs> and so it's it's comforting to know that there are other people who find that. So I don't think that I'm weird in that way. But yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure, but uh well, to go back to the comfort movie thing that you mentioned, um I mean that's not necessarily uncommon either. The analogy that I like to use for something like this is music because you know, as we age or to say it a different way, 
when we're younger, we emotionally attached to certain songs that trigger certain emotions. And then as we age, we might hear a song that's really good that might touch on a similar emotion, but it doesn't necessarily connect with us the same way because we've already got a song assigned to that emotion in our brains. Right. And, our and so, yeah, you might get empowerment out of some other genre, but it may not really hit the same because you've already got an association. Right. And the people like to throw around the term nostalgia, mm -hmm. which I think especially with the eighties, people really like to put that term in there. And I, I do, I do think that's part of it, but it's not nostalgia, like nostalgia for the eighties kind of thing. I think it's an, or maybe a nostalgia for a different time, but yes, a nostalgia for maybe I was, having a you know a rough go of things and i watched place. this i watched this movie and i forgot or it made me feel better or it gave me perspective i mean it doesn't have to be like you don't have to love highbrow movies all the time you don't have to sit there and watch like like i'm gonna go watch a kurzawa movie when i'm you know need enlightenment and like no you know what sometimes dumbass slashers can give you the same thing mm -hmm. Uh, so, um, sort of last question here is considering the theme of the podcast, is there anything relevant that you're aware of that we haven't asked about? No, I'm a dork. Uh, I'm a horror dork. <laughs> and, uh, if you walked in my house, you would know it. I also do as another thing that I picked up from my childhood or I picked back up from my childhood, I actually collect Barbies. Huh. So when hmm. people walk in my house, they're a little put off by. Do you mutilate them? No, I have done a couple of custom ones and I do have. I like that you had to think about that. Though for a minute. Now, and I do have one that I got a custom from a guy named Will Turner who does custom horror Barbies. He's super awesome. But it's Mark from uh, Friday the 13th Part 2, the guy in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And he's got mm -hmm. like, he's got the machete in his head. Um, so it's like my perfect, like, you know, blend of my two things. But yeah, it's a little off putting. Sometimes when people come in, they see all these like f fluffy barbies you know with like these big pink dresses and then it's like oh and then there's dead alive on your wall <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but, i mean it's know, like it's um okay. it's, it's like peter jackson himself you know you got hey, uh, i like to say that i'm a well-rounded person <laughs> yeah yeah well they're not seeing the connection between the two which empowerment would also be a good connection between both barbie yeah and, and 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 that's another thing too i grew up in the 80s and, and you know barbie was usually under you know she was uh she's under the microscope you know for how like she looked and all this other stuff but when i look back i'm like no, my Barbies were always like, I like my Barbies always had jobs. They were always like <laughs> fashion magazine editors or lawyers or, <laughs> and they always lived with their friends. Like they always had like, you know, an apartment where they all like lived with their girlfriends and like, maybe they go out on a date, you know, like I already had right. that in my head. Like Barbie, yeah, no one's saying Barbie, Barbie did, had to be a stay at home mother. The whole thing at yeah, the, like we girls can do anything. Like I took that to heart. I didn't look at the Barbie had like a 10 inch waist. That wasn't my takeaway. My takeaway is that Barbie did what the fuck she wanted and her boyfriend was lame. <laughs> she kept him around, you know, just in case. But <laughs> he was so like superfluous to her life. I mean, you know, Ken was your lame. boyfriend's in the other room listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ken, if you're listening, I think you're lame, but that's okay. You haven't been cool since the 70s. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Okay, so if we were to wrap up the call and summarize for you, uh, like I said, <laughs> probably the 
two things that um this is uh, my this is the, my analysis right here yes. give it to me well we, we already <laughs> we already said it uh empowerment and fun yeah 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 i think empowerment fun and uh passion yeah yeah, yeah that's in there too that was a good one uh so i uh, mean do you want to pitch anything on the way out or we talked about you know creating a bio for you and linking we can do that well we're gonna do that either way yeah no that's fine i yeah i'm i'm here all day i've been pitching myself all night but yeah (laughs) um i do i do do a podcast that most of the people who listen to this might be interested in called the slumber party massacre podcast um and we do have it we have a facebook group uh that's fairly active it is five girls who we always were the token girl on horror podcasts and uh, this is something that doesn't get brought up a lot but like when you're when you're a horror fan and you're just like in the general populace you feel like an outsider okay Mm -hmm. then when you're a girl and you're with horror boys you always have to be a little smarter you have to know like the second ad on every movie you know there you're constantly being challenged and you constantly like like there's this perception that if you're a horror fan and you're a girl that you're doing it to impress guys somehow. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is not, this isn't a slam against any of our male podcast <laughs> co-hosts, but we always like, we all had that same sentiment. Like, man, like, why do we always have to prove ourselves? Why do we always have to like yell for guys to listen to us? Like why, why do people question that we actually like this stuff? Like why the hell would we be doing this if we didn't? And so the five of us got together and made an all female podcast so that we can just be like penises out. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about what we want. And, um, and it's been fabulous. We just celebrated our first year anniversary. Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. We just celebrated our uh, second year this month. Well, congratulations. Thank Thank you. I feel like, uh, I feel like we should invite the other four on here and put you guys uh, front and center. I can I can send you their their info um, or you know I'll send you a link to our podcast because we go. are uh, yeah we we vary we vary greatly in age experience um, and it's it we really like I mean not to toot my own horn but I mean we really have we really have a really good dynamic and a really wide range of perspective and knowledge and it it really has you know I mean our we do it once a month. And our average show is like four hours long because we just talk that much. And it's just, it's refreshing, like to just be able to talk. Yeah. It's just refreshing to be able to talk and, and do our thing. Oh, we have like segments. It's a, it's a slumber party. We do girl talk and pillow fight and, uh, and our feature presentation. I knew it. Nice. Uh, Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, and thank you thank you to anybody out there listening. Um, please do come visit us over at HorrorMakesUsHappy.com. We've got links to our social media and Patreon and merch and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but mainly the best thing you can do if you like this is tell a friend. 